This is the Financial Coconut Podcast, Singapore's first personal finance podcast network. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut. Every Wednesday, you'll be chilling with me and my guests, who are some of the quirkiest, geekiest people we can find on the internet about how they do money and life. Sit back, relax. We are a few days away from the weekend. Welcome to Chill Swift TFC. The biggest problem is finding the right product to sell. Is that the right thought process? I, I think the biggest problem for most people, not really the product, but it is more of how do you get the initial traffic? Because traffic is king when it comes to e-commerce business, right? You need people, you need eyeball, you need attention. But if you're not able to solve the cold start problem, whereby you get people's attention before you even introduce them your product, then there's just not going to be any flow that's coming in. So I would say first learn how to get traffic first. The product you can slowly iterate over time and see what your audience actually Welcome to Chills with TFC, where we sit down with the geekiest, quirkiest individuals to learn about how they do money and life. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut, and today we will focus on this sexy idea of e-commerce. Like, like, excuse me, why is it sexy? <laughs> I think the idea here is because for many busy working class professionals, it feels like there is something here, you know, something you can do on the side and potentially scale up to replace your full-time income, right? Potentially a viable fire strategy or at least that's how it's sold. Lah. But is it true though? And importantly, today's episode is sponsored by World First, who is a global cross-payment business solution ecosystem that is on a mission to make it easy to do business anywhere. Okay, okay, but more importantly, more importantly, I've gotten a great friend of the show, Thomas from Steady Compounding, to discuss the business side of things, right? Since he's always talking about stocks, he has all these insights, but how did he grow an e-commerce business out of writing analytics and insights, right? That, that is very interesting. Alongside with Chanel from Tasty Toasties, a sold-out NFT project turned into a cute plushy business. Also omni-channel, online, offline, everywhere. So we spend time to talk about how they achieve their success, the myths and the tips and tricks to get your e-commerce strategy rolling. This is Chill Swift TFC. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, today I'm with a few friends, regular friends. Okay, maybe you will become more regular. Yes, also, okay. I hope, also, I hope. So yeah, maybe you want to introduce yourself a little bit for our listeners that don't quite know you yet. Okay, cool. Hi, I'm Chanel. I'm from Tasty Toasties, a cute brand about bread. Nobody called it an own brand cute one. <laughs> People, enough people have told me it's cute, so yes, yes. I no, shall you can embrace show the it. Stickers at the back oh, of the phone. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I started doing this as an NFT project, and now I'm pivoting it into a retail brand. Mm. Together with some e-commerce elements, like, that's why she's here, okay? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, we have our regular... So my name is Thomas. I'm founder of Steady Compounding. That's where I break down businesses, stocks, and all that. And I mainly monetize through turning on a paywall whereby readers who want to read what's the deep dives into the various companies, then they will subscribe. And then that's how I run my e-commerce company. Yeah, but today we're not here to talk about investing. Yes, today right? not about investing. Today not about investing. Today we talk about like how to make it work, right, in the e-commerce business, right? So so I, I got him and he's gonna share with us all the secrets. Right? So that is all well and good. Yeah. 
Okay, so maybe I think for the benefit of our audience, right, maybe you can start by sharing a little bit about your e-commerce business, like in, in your business, because you all have many functions within the different things that you do, right? So how does this work as an e-commerce for, for you? I think like mainly um, there are three ways I monetize. One is through people paying for my research. And then second is through my teacher investing costs. And third one, through sponsorships. So when it comes to running an e-commerce company that's delivering a digital product, I think the most important thing is when it comes to managing payments, for example, how do you want to make sure that the payment process requires as little clicks as possible, as little chargebacks as possible? Because like, I think one of the biggest problem when it comes to um, running any e-commerce company is making sure, especially if you have a global audience, how do you just make payment work? And that is, that is a tough thing because when I first started, I remember when I first launched right off the bat, there's people telling me their credit card got rejected. Oh, it couldn't shit. go through. Oh. First day, I was sweating. Like, you know, I, I just didn't eat and all that. You just had to make sure everything worked. Oh, then he lost weight. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that so, period, I lost weight. Not, so, not I gave back everything. Like, okay, it's fine. You're living the life. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you have to make sure like I never tell him say, uh, by the way, I never tell him that the sponsor is World First. Yeah? It's a payment platform. But anyway, he can say continue, please. Yes. Yeah, so you have to make sure all your system work, especially when it comes to a digital product that is existing outside of your typical platform businesses like your Shopee, Amazon and all that whatnot. So I built everything from ground up, you know, just on WordPress and payments and the emailing system, everything. I just built everything from scratch. So when things go wrong, then that's where the fire begins. But ultimately, when it comes to digital product, it's very important for us to make sure that we have direct distribution to our customers also. So like, um, for example, I do a lot of social media posting where I try and get like top of mind awareness, but people don't buy right off the bat on social media, right? Unless you are able to build trust and you're able to show your value. So that's where I will funnel them to my email, for example. And email, that's why I share with them a lot about, you know, my investing philosophy, how I break down businesses. And over time, when I build trust, then when people want to read more, that's where they will start paying for my services. Yeah, your, your best content must be out there for sure because if people don't know how good you are or they don't know what to expect then you know it's very unlikely they will buy anything from you right so your best work will be out there anything that's paid is like you know when it comes to concert it's like a backstage pass where they get more access to behind the stage stuff Okay, okay, fair. So so essentially shouting out to a lot of the news outlet, don't everything also pay war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite annoying. Every time I see pay war, it's like, why do I need to pay to read this one, right? To this article. But that's a that's a later discussion. Anyway, that's Thomas's business, which is very digital. The whole thing is digital. You don't deal with anything physical, right? No, nothing 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 physical. Okay, okay, great, great. And then of course Chanel's business, everything physical. So No, actually that's not true. Okay. So yeah. Um, I just think that my okay, so my business is called Tasty Toasties. It started off as NFTs, which is digital. And the idea was always that we would create a story around these characters. And then how the characters are expressed, that comes out in digital, in both digital and physical expressions. So the digital NFTs are one type of expression of it. And then the physical toys that I am making now, plushes, as well as lifestyle goods, like I made like the whole toasty into a bag itself. At the end of the day, it's how we tell the story, right? So it's a mix of both physical and digital. And then digital medium has its, uh, digital mediums, they have their advantages. Like I can reach someone all the way on, 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 all the way on the other side of the world, like instantly. Physical mediums build a bit of, I guess, attachment, especially because I'm selling plush toys. So when people hug the big toasty, <laughs> then they start to like, you know, <laughs> build some kind of like familiarity with the brand, the character, and then they, they, they grow up with it if it's a kid. Yeah, so I think both are needed and that balance is needed. And where e-commerce comes into play is 
also a little bit because of how we started. We started by selling it as NFTs. And most of the people about my NFTs, they're actually not Singaporeans. So it has been a very big challenge to keep growing the brand while keeping the global audience in mind because a lot of the things that I do here, the activations, my booth events, where I bring my products around, it's all very hyper-local. But Tasty Toasties are known by people who like NFTs from other countries as well. So I have people from like South America, people from America, Canada, Australia, who have bought the NFTs and also they want to buy the physical product sometimes. But then shipping is like a big deterrent. Shipping is a bitch. It's yeah. very bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so like, the, and then on top of that, like we've used the NFTs to token gate the e-commerce. So what that means is that when you go to my website, there's a section of the website where if you have the NFT, you can log in with your crypto wallet and you get a discount off the products. And I've promised like a lifetime membership to like all of my future products as long as you have the NFT. So like I see it as something that super fans can eventually own. And maybe the person who originally bought the NFT like two years ago, maybe after a while they're like, ah, I don't really like Toasty anymore. They can always sell it off to someone who really loves Toasty and wants that permanent lifetime membership. So yeah, so yeah, it's like a blend of all of these different tools, even as a very new brand. I think I've just kind of thought about how I want it to eventually look and now I just need to work interesting, there. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Because firstly, I never tell you all to talk about payments. Okay, so, But it feels like all of you struggle with payment problems, right? Is that the bigger problems in your early days of business? I think payment is definitely quite a significant problem at first, especially when you're trying to set it up. Because even though nowadays things are easier to set up, for example, I'll use Stripe, I'll use PayPal. But you know, when you first get started, there are going to be a lot of hiccups, right? The the payment company, maybe they are still trying to validate you. So they'll hold off the money in their system. Oh um, yeah, so annoying. Yes, yes, yes. I have that. I have that issue also. Or, or like um, if the customer is from a remote part of the world whereby you know, not so much transaction on e-commerce, then that's where the credit card would, would fail also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's where all the payment problems come in. And different countries have different ways of paying. Like, um, I mean, I, I don't have customers from China, but China is going to have a very different way as to how I operate. And not every country is a place whereby credit card is very predominantly used as a payment method. So like, um, yeah, so I mean, it is a struggle, even though nowadays there's Stripe and PayPal, but it is still a pain when you're running a business on a global scale. Mm, okay, okay, fair, fair. I mean, because for me, most of my international payment is to the team, right? Because I hire Philippines, in Malaysia, different, different places, right? So then when, when it goes out, it does not, it's like annoying, okay? It's not annoying as part of the business operation, but it's not so bad because it's not my major inflow outflows right relative to you guys where a lot of your flows are more global you know i make money in singapore and then i pay one way out to some people right and then that's about it okay fair but but that's interesting okay uh, shout out to the sponsor world first you know but i didn't know that your core payment problems is such a big thing but for for a lot before the payment problems right i think for a lot of people that are thinking of starting an e-commerce you know they they have all these struggles i mean we did a poll i think 60 percent of the people on our ig thought that, you know, uh, the biggest problem is finding the right product to sell. Is that the right thought process? I, I, I think the biggest problem for most people, not really the product, but it is more of how do you get the initial traffic because traffic is king when it comes to e-commerce business, right? You need people, you need eyeball, you need attention. But if you're not able to solve the cold start problem whereby you get people's attention before you even introduce them your product, then there's just not going to be any flow that's coming in. So I would say first learn how to get traffic first. The product you can slowly iterate over time and see what your audience actually likes. 
Okay, fair. I think that's an interesting thought. I mean, even for us, right? I mean, when we first started, it was just, this is a podcast. Eh? And then traction start to come and then you you see like um, different way of uh, monetization. Of course, like maybe uh, we are planning to sell like digital products, you know? So so there's, there's all that lah. But but it's always cracking that first, that, that first traction. Is it the same for you? I think they're coming from the angle that everything, I mean, today, everything that we could possibly imagine or innovate, most people are not really inventors. It's very hard to come up with a new product, right? And the e-commerce scene is quite mature now compared to maybe like 5-10 years ago. So um, how will you find a product that really stands out or is not already available or like you cannot just find on Taobao and ship it in with like, what's the English? I don't know, Taiko. <laughs> Taiko, It's very cheap to just ship anything you want from like directly from other countries now also, right? So like, Maybe that's why people are voting product. But I think as long as you have a decent product that people find value in, um, if you put it in enough places, you have enough distribution for it, eventually someone will buy it. So what really makes you stand out is exactly what he said, the cold start. Like how do you get that first tr- initial tribe to get you going? Because you also need cash flow, right? So yeah, I think sales and marketing probably is the challenge for people who are just starting out. So but how why would I trust then... you over like a more yeah. established seller? Yeah, yeah. yeah, which is interesting because I think I, I think that a few ways to go about doing this right first first way we talk about uh, building the traction first right so you build that community you build that traction then from there you think of what to sell to them right so that's one way so essentially everybody is a mini media company mm. okay on some level right yes. now, now of course there's the other way where people think of okay so there is an arbitrage to be made right let's say from Taobao you buy something and then you go to Amazon and you try to make the arbitrage do you think that works um, I mean, I, I don't like doing that because it doesn't, it's difficult to stand out vis-a-vis your competition when you, when you do that. Because ultimately, when you are selling a commodity product, and we all know like um, Econ 101, anything that's commodity, the margins will be driven away. So whatever is profitable at first, it will not last. So when, when it comes to doing business, I like something that can grow steadily over time, right? And, and something that will compound in value over time. So I'm always a big believer in building something that will stand out by itself itself from other people. And so when it comes to the distribution, you have to start putting your thoughts, your ideas and start creating content out there. It doesn't necessarily have to be your face, but people sh- should have to get to know you because ultimately people always want to buy into a person or buy into a story, buy into a brand, right? Rather than just the product itself. If it's just the product itself, it's very, very difficult to compete in a very, very competitive where everybody's just fighting based on price. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair. I agree, I agree. And and I think I think that is that is an interesting nugget, right? Essentially telling the audience that if you're thinking of starting an e-com business, then maybe what you what you should start is to build your presence on whatever platform it is, right? Because to be fair, I think your major platform is Twitter or X. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. X, 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 Twitter, 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 whatever. Okay, make up your mind. Make up your mind, okay? But X, right? That is your biggest platform, yeah. right? And for you, your biggest platform? Right now, I think traction-wise, I would say TikTok. Even though if you go look at the number of followers, it's not as many. Why? As in, because, why, why, why do you... If, if it's not as many, why yeah. do you think because TikTok. because TikTok for TikTok the number of followers don't really matter it's just more like how many people have seen your videos in the for you feed yeah and also because I have been doing it was a nice segue I've been doing selling on TikTok shop which is also e-commerce right and yeah it's been growing every month like month on month my revenue is growing there so yeah so then from, from that view, if we think about, so someone that is looking to start a business or starting an e-commerce business, right? So now if our thought process is, okay, let's start to build attraction somewhere first, right? Or build a following, build community somewhere first, you know, do you have any advice to begin with that? Like how do you go about building a community uh, to begin with? 
I, I think first you have to see where your audience are. So for example, if I'm running a fitness brand, I'm trying to market, I, I don't know, some fitness product, I would definitely Wait, use from, video from, first. But from that view, from that view, essentially you predetermine what kind of product you want to sell already. Um, I mean, okay, so for example, you roughly need to know which area you are talking about. So let's say if I'm talking about investing or if I'm trying to teach people how to do personal branding, then I think LinkedIn and Twitter return platforms are generally better. But if I'm doing something cooking related or fitness or, you know, whereby visual is more important, then I would choose to focus my attention on video platform because when it comes to um, certain niches like for example investing it's very difficult for us to go in depth um, just based on video content because people's attention are very short on video platform nowadays yes yeah for example tiktok i can't go long that longer than i think maybe 90 seconds anything people just scroll away mm. unless my hook is like you know there must be one hook second hook the hook must keep hooking people yes, yes, to make them yes. continue yeah so you, you need to have a rough idea of where you want to go first uh, just a general view but it, I mean fitness but I, maybe I don't know what I want to sell yet I don't know whether I want to sell shoes yoga pants or whatever you don't have to decide that first but if your audience is within that industry within a niche type then that's where you should be creating content Okay. And it doesn't have to be very fancy content. I think that's what is preventing a lot of people from starting altogether mm. because mm. they look at how the professionals are doing and then mm. it just put them off. But if you look at any of the famous TikToker out there, there are initial videos out there. That's a side one. It's just <laughs> themselves taking the camera, selfie, hey, no everyone. subtitles, yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think same thing for me. Like when I look at initially the tweets that I wrote, I'm, I'm definitely going to feel gross out by myself, right? They're like, wow, that quality. That's where we all start, right? We start from nothing and then we slowly become better. And, and that's the good thing about creating um, or communicating to people on social media because you get to see data. Like, is this going viral? Is people reacting to this um, what's the response is this converting and then you that's where you can improve and hone your skill in reaching out to your audience and building your traffic but i also want to add you know recently i've been thinking about this right because a lot of people think of video content as like one of the first things to do right maybe in in a lot of businesses that people are thinking oh let's do video actually video is the most expensive content to do yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know if y'all agree, lah. Right. So, so I think I personally think video is the most expensive, right? And then audio, and then written. Written is actually the cheapest content to create, you know, in in the space. Okay, that is my personal view, and I feel like if you can work on the written platform, it's actually more cost effective, right? And uh, it's, it's just easier. Like, what, what do you yeah, think? We have to think about what is sustainable for you as well because for most people starting out, they have a full-time job, right? And you are doing this at the site. So you must think of what can you do on the daily or at least like two, three times a week on a very sustainable basis because there's no point whereby you do one time, you feel super tired, then you do once a month. That's not going to cut it out. Nobody's going to yeah. make it in once a month Plus, in the early days. Uh. Whatever you learn on written platform when it comes to copywriting, writing hooks and all that, it's going to be a applied to video afterwards. Yes, yeah. yes. So, I mean, I, I applied whatever I learned on Twitter over to TikTok and Instagram yeah. for one month. And, and so, I, I grew from zero to 5,000 followers in, in under one month. And like each video can, I mean, the maximum impression was like maybe up to five, 600,000 views per 
per TikTok video. But it was too toxic for me, so I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I shout out all of you. You're, you see, he don't, he's not on TikTok, right? Yeah, yeah, because, TikTok. because, <laughs> it's because, because of you. So like, um, yeah, so I mean, I, I tried that on one month. So whatever you do on return, it's more sustainable, it's cheaper. And then after that, if you want to take the skill set of hooking audience, making it viral, all this, you, you can translate it over to video. Yeah, it's true. It's true. The whole scripting part in actuality is also a form of writing, right? Yeah. And and I think that's that's a, a big part that only recently I started to realize. And I realized that not a lot of people get it. Yeah. I, I don't know if you if you know what I'm saying. Because even some of my guys, I have to I have to teach them how to rewrite the script. You know, like like your cell must be in front. You got five seconds, okay? Please don't like, hey, blah, blah, blah. So no one cares. Please go straight, you know? But, but all these are basic writing things, the scripting stuff that... that I think a lot of people need to understand if they want to thrive on these kind of social platforms. It is very different yeah. from the way we are taught to write in schools. Okay, but, but for you, mm. the idea here is not so... I mean, you're not that big on any social platform per se, but you had a yeah. very big launch in the first round Hi. of your NFTs. Right? That was yeah. that was huge. Like you were all over the news, CNA cover you and everything. I think because it was something very new, I think the reason I got that traction was just because it was novel. And also it was a new thing, like NFTs were in the news for a new thing. And then I think there was enough like traction in Singapore for like from the consumer side, like people are starting to buy. So then people are looking for stories to cover of who, were there any, any Singaporeans making NFTs? And actually there were quite a few, uh, but quite a lot of them not here already. <laughs> or maybe they did it then like the, uh, there were a lot of podcasts during drama, the early days or so. Yeah, yeah or all team gone drama, all gone or whatever. Yeah. But there's still quite a few around, but like maybe like a handful. But yeah, like I think I think I had that initial rocket fuel boost just because of how new it is. But once the dust settled, it's back to square one. As with all other new businesses, I just have to do it the traditional way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair. Mm-hmm. So. I think our consensus is we all on some level started with uh, with a bank, right? There must be some sort of a social traction. You gathered some, you know, decent amount of audience. Then now with this audience, you think of like, okay, what can I sell to this audience, right? That is a general playbook that we are looking at. Are we are we agreeable on this? Yeah. Okay. So so then from there, right? So now that you have gathered an audience, right? What? How do you go about setting up this funnel, right? Because I think a lot of people think of like selling something even on e-com platform as a funnel right so with where the top funnel is all this hype and audience and attraction all this stuff right then what what is next how do you think about the next steps yeah so when it comes to building the funnel social media that's that's the awareness part then my goal is always to bring them down to my email that's where email you get to build um, a relationship and then for myself um, i also sometimes record video and send to my audience because ultimately when you're when you're trying to build trust and the relationship you need to invoke like most of the five senses they must be able to see you hear you and read your don't, thoughts. Don't touch lah, don't touch. Uh, so like, Slowly, no right? touch, no smell. <laughs> but, but then the other three should should come in. Um, you, want, you want to try and keep so as much annoying. of that as yeah. possible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then ultimately, when you're able to build, um, there's this concept called 1,000 true fans. So rather than cultivating like a huge, you don't need like 10,000 or even 100,000. But if you can have 1,000 true fans who will support you in any way, anything you do, generally, you 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 will have a viable business product once you hit that 1,000 true fans, right? And that is exactly what I tried to do when I go on to running my business full-time. Once you get the awareness, then that's why you need to keep providing value and do a bit of storytelling. 
And I think one of the biggest mistakes, a lot of people who manage to get traction at the start, but it fizzles out, is they only focus on educational content, for example. Because when it comes to content, there's education, there's inspiring, there's humor, there's storytelling. Yeah, so you have to rotate between four of these content, such that um, when people read your stuff, they know that this is uniquely yours. Like when people read my writing, they know like this is Thomas. Because ultimately, when you want to be top of mind when compared to your competition, you can't be too robotic and you can't just educate or give information. You need to start making people feel like they know you on a very personal level. So, so for you, essentially, the first step, people get to know you, then after that, you try to get them into the email list. And then within the email list, you build trust with them. Yes. Okay. Okay. So that's the that's the strat. Okay. With the funnel building. Then for you, like, how, how, how does it work? Actually, right, out of everything that I've tried, NFTs, e-commerce, uh, physical booths, getting putting my stuff in like stores. I think as long yeah, as try everything, she's a real <laughs> omni channel. Huh? Everything also do. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, even TikTok shop. So, actually, actually, I think I think as long as my product is on a shelf somewhere, it will it will go by itself. Even if you don't know me online, so I need to. I I I think it's a bit of a dance. That's how I'm recently started to think about it. I need to do both online and offline, cause when I do offline, sometimes people take pictures of the booth, they take my name card, then they go and buy online. Then when I do enough online, maybe they suddenly see like on Instagram reels or TikTok, and then they're like, oh yeah, I think I saw that in some shop somewhere the uh, other time. Then maybe they're looking for a new saying, gift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're looking for a new gift. It's Christmas is coming up. And then they're like, oh yeah, maybe I can buy that as a gift. So. All of the impressions add up over time and I think it's um, at some point it's how how long can I keep getting that quantity of touch points growing for? Yeah. And in Singapore, at some point I will reach a max cap, right? Like I think Singapore's pretty small. Let's say I have let's say my products are in two stores set in the east two stores in the north, whatever, let's say 10, uh, okay, two for north, north, south, east, west, central each. I think that will cover whole Singapore already. Yeah, plus your, so then, plus your online shop, more or less, you're yeah, there. Right. Yeah. So then like, where else do I grow? Then that means I need to start going overseas. So that's like the next phase, the next thing I'm thinking about. But all in all, the funnel, it's, I think it's just made up of how many times people see me on different channels. So I have to be everywhere everything everywhere all at once (laughs) (laughs) Michelle wait for you uh, Michelle Okay, but then how do you go in for the kill then, right? Like, well, I know it's very crude, lah, say going for the kill, right? But but it's like you build the funnel, you build the trust, and that's the whole step-by-step process towards building an e-commerce business. And at the end, it's still about the transaction, right? Like, like it's about closing it, it's about getting the numbers. How, how do you all think about this thing? Uh, I, I think for me, um, usually when I launch any product, there should be a sense of urgency. So, for example, the way I do it is my product isn't available perpetually all the way. There's usually like a four-day launch. And then if they want to, you know, like maybe pick up the investing cost, they'll have to do it within these four days. And then that's where I think copywriting comes into a very important role. Copywriting is a style of writing whereby you communicate value and try and close people online. There are different ways of doing it. Some people will do it through 
Google video whereby they'll invite you to a webinar and then within the two hours, that's where they try and convince you that, you know, this is, this is valuable and stuff like that. But for me, I do it purely through writing. So when I do that, um, there's two things that's very important. One is the copywriting in the email uh, must be solid. Then another thing is the copywriting on the landing page must be converting well. And the last one is the payments. Lah. But I mean, there's limits to what we can do. But the general rule of thumb when it comes to checking it out is that you want as little clicks as possible. Similar to what all the banks are trying to do. When you're going your iBanking, you know, one of the measurement of a good banking app is that you want to open an account, it doesn't take you more than maybe 10 clicks. So they're always measuring that. Yeah, they're always trying to reduce tell me that. about it. Right? Every time I work with the brands, they tell yeah. me, oh yeah, my website is only 10 clicks. You get to you to the end. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if especially if you're selling a physical product on e-commerce, for example, like maybe I mean like Zalora, they're all trying to make it seamless to check out the product because the more friction it is, the drop-off rate will be way higher. And your web page must make sure it's loading fast. So you always need to invest in a very good host also to make sure the checkout experience is smooth. Otherwise, if it loads for three, four seconds, people are going to drop. just drop off. People are going to drop. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just investing costs or, you know, those kind of bigger ticket items. Even smaller ticket items, it's like, wow, love, so slow. Blah. Next thing, you're gone. No? Or someone WhatsApp, WhatsApp, <laughs> then the whole thing is just forget it. We're going to the WhatsApp conversation, right? So this whole like loading thing is quite important, right? right? I mean, I, I chose the painful road of building everything up myself. But um, for most people, I think the fast way and the smarter way, yeah, don't, don't choose the way I do it because I'm always trying to minimize costs so don't do, do, do that that was how I started and I'm stuck with it but um, if I'm restarting today I'll probably use like a Shopify or some other platform that already has everything integrated and you can just focus on product design and marketing then that's where you can leave the the website and you know the holes and the payments all this to all these other other players it's true like like we are reinventing our website yeah. okay we are rebuilding our website it and is then, a painful yeah, process and then I was telling my guys I was, one of my guys that's in charge of the website she was telling me oh yeah this one is cheaper blah 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 so it's not about the amount of cost you pay to the website builder yeah. okay let's just get the website and go because the amount of man hours you're gonna put in right the cost is way more than that that few hundred bucks they're gonna pay that that one time website builder you know just get it and go yeah. right so I, I but I think for a lot of newer people in business right it's always about cut costs yeah. right because of course you want the least to, to get the most right because you're starting you're a working professional you're dipping your toes in this like business thing like, oh maybe can uh, maybe cannot you're not sure right so, so you want to adjust you know uh, your core structure to be as lean as possible you find comfort in that but actually the amount of man hours that you put into that is quite crazy you know send that few hundred dollars you might as well send that few hundred hours right yeah it's, it's really different at least that's in my in my view lah. yeah i agree so i want to chip in here because um when i started doing my website and everything i immediately did shopify because i wanted to save time and because it's shopify they, and they keep upgrading their platform. Every year, there's new updates and stuff. Like You don't have to worry about the infrastructure falling behind. If you paid like a one person to build it for you, it will not be as fresh in the next two years when there are certain like trends that change in e-commerce or whatever. But Shopify is, put, is always building it up. And once you've got that foundation correct, let's say like Toasty starts to scale next year, at least my, my infrastructure is already done. I don't have to be like scrambling to go and change my website when suddenly I have a lot of orders. Like it's, 
I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready for that day when it comes. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, and earlier we were at the event, at the Amazon event, e-commerce expo. Okay, earlier we were at the e-commerce expo, I think we we were talking to Barry, right, from World First. They were to get working together with Amazon, right? And then I asked him, yes. like, there may be some people that are thinking, how about we start uh, e-commerce without a platform? That means like off a platform, like not on Amazon or any other platform, right? How about we just start something? Maybe maybe Shopify, maybe a website of your own. And then he was like, maybe that's not the smartest way, right? Maybe we start on a platform first because I think there is a lot of, there are a lot of brands that start on a, uh, like a marketplace platform that eventually outgrow it. Right, so they, they grow so much and then they, they will they will move into their own website, move into their own platform. What do y'all think? Do you think that's a fair 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 view? Um I, I mean when we decide to start on a platform, um it is for mainly for one reason and that is their traffic. But I, I generally don't like to start on like a Amazon or Shopee, for example, because I lose data of my customer. The data will belong to those platform players. And so I don't I don't manage to build a recurring relationship with these um, customers. So for example, if like let's say consumer habit, I go on Shopee today to buy something, I'm just going to type in a product and I'm going to buy f- um, from one of the merchant, but I'm not going to remember who I buy from and I'm not going to return back to, to buy from that merchant again. Um, the next time I search whatever the platform show in the top five or six selection, that's what I'm going to choose. And you are going to be very dependent on whether you want to pay for advertisement down the road, right? We look at all the e-commerce company, eventually they will move towards ranking you based on who is willing to pay the ad money. So um, when it comes to running businesses, I always like to maintain independence and have direct distribution to my customers so unless unless they are really giving you huge amount of traffic and your brand is known by everyone um, then maybe you can consider but always the the problem with all these platform is you lose relationship with your customer i've seen a lot of um, the western e-commerce players when i buy something from amazon from us when they send it to me um, they will get me to scan a qr code and they'll give me a free gift if I give them my email and my details and all that. They want to convert you onto their list, right? They want, yeah. Yeah, they want me on their database. I mean, that's one way you can do it, but the conversion isn't going to be high because whenever there's friction, people need to jump through wall. Um, the conversion rate is going to be a lot tougher. So if it's me, I mean, I think I would start on Shopify or something, right? Unless, you know, I need to resolve like the logistics and all that. It, it is a pain in the ass. Then maybe I might consider Amazon because Amazon does provide that yeah, service. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In, in because yours is a digital product. So there's no fulfillment in the traditional physical sense yeah. of it, right? Yeah, yeah, the fulfillment is a different ball game, right? Which is the, the program itself. That's the way we can talk about it in more detail. But for you, the fulfillment is very intense, right? Like you actually like, you got to ship it out and all that and all I those work with uh, 4PL, 3PL, forgot the number, <laughs> not the difference. But yeah, so I actually don't pack my own orders, even though I'm such a small brand. But again, from the beginning, like the importance of outsourcing, like your time, I feel like it's worth the value because I'm running everything myself right now. So I'd rather pay for a little bit more for like someone to pick and pack my orders rather than I'm like strapped at home packing my orders and then have to wait for the courier to come, you know, instantly like everything is synced to the warehouse, someone will pack it for me. So uh, fulfillment is not really an issue for me and that's why from day one I can, yeah, and that's why I can, I can immediately ship to like people who want toasty stuff even if they are from like the US or UK and they're willing to pay for the shipping and great, someone will pick and pack Pack it for them, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, okay. That that is interesting because I think a lot of people, we are essentially 
solving a lot of people's like queries around like how do you start and then like fulfilling and and you know like essentially closing and all that all that stuff right okay and i think like for a lot of people when you start thinking of an e-commerce product think of your margins to include all of these things because yes i have summer packing and packing for me but that all comes with a cost inbound into the warehouse uh, there will be a certain cost. Pick and pack each item, there will be a certain cost. So you to just make sure that you go and inquire all of these costs first, add it to the cost of your product and make sure that numbers work. Mm. Numbers don't work, then you don't do that product. Yeah. Mm. Okay, fair. Then let's talk about pricing. Right? So how do you price yourself then? You know, is it is it, uh, is it a cost? You start with like the cost of it and then you add a margin or do you look at, you know, what are your competitors pricing? Like what, how, how do you go about deciding on pricing? Yeah, I mean, so for me, there's not much cost except credit card, right? The credit card is 3.6 something percent. Then other, other than that... Which is quite annoying. Uh, yeah, but, that's my but server it's what it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, they yeah, make the money. I mean, yeah, like, you have to live by Visa, MasterCard <laughs> yes, and yes, Amex yes. rules. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, when it comes to pricing, um, I mean, I'll, I'll look at the what competitors are charging. That's for sure. And another thing is um, you want to price based on the value you are providing, especially for digital products because the, the cost of product basis is very, very low. It's mainly just your credit card, your email server, your host and, and all that whatnot. So um, look at what the competitors are doing and then, you know, you can always do a soft launch to test water to see whether people are getting enough value based on this price, right? Based on your products. But one thing for sure is if you start too low, then it's very difficult to move up afterwards. So you have to spend some time to do a bit of market research and see generally what is the market rate or mm. what you're charging. Mm-hmm. Okay. So essentially copying is the simplest way out of this thing. Yeah, but um, the range is going to be very wide. So um, more than copying, you also have to assess like, you know, the strength of your brand, which is like more an art than a science. Like if you ask me to put like, a, is there a formula to this? Like not, not really. It's true. I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't tell you like my brand is stronger than so-and-so or, or whatever, you it's know. True. Like, it's true. It's um, true. No, but yeah. agency always want me to substantiate. Yes, <laughs> but how? How, yes. how? how? You tell me how? Right. Yeah, how you want to substantiate <laughs> quality stuff is yeah, very, yeah. very, it's very, it's very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah, difficult. It's very the other difficult. day I was at an event, right? And then uh, we were speaking on the on the panel at the, at the IFSG, okay? Uh, their event. And then... Uh, we're on the panel. So I asked, so before I begin my portion, I asked, so how many of you listen to the financial coconut? And then half the room raised up their hand. On a Saturday afternoon, you can turn out 60 to 80 people for a finance event. Half of them raised their hands that they know about the podcast. And that is anecdotal evidence that you are talking to the right audience. Right, it works. But when the agency kind of talked to me, I was like, right? This is it's very hard. It's, it's, it's a little bit of an art. But that, that is a very interesting way to look at it. That means certain things, as much as you as a person is so sciencey, certain things you just give up the on. Pricing one to... is a tough one. Okay. It's because okay. it is also a messaging, whether this is a premium product or this is a lousy product. Yes, yes. So you have to take that aspect into consideration as well. But generally, once you have built up your track record, you have built up your customer testimony then generally you can try and push for the higher higher end of the range mm, nice I like that oh any thoughts uh, actually I agree with everything that he just said you're very yeah. agreeable today no, no, okay, huh? no, but, yeah. but maybe if I can add in just one comment to what you said like I think also price is, is an indicator of whether or not the person wants or doesn't want your item so like or your, whatever you're selling if they say no then okay you're not the right audience for me especially if you believe it that you have the right people who are already buying your product yeah so just let it be a barrier to not barrier how to say if there's still people buying 
and they can accept the price, then I think it's okay. And if your yeah. goal is just to feed yourself and then there's enough of it such that yeah. you can retire from the day job that you have, then yeah. great, that's good, right? But at some point, sometimes some, some businesses are unable to scale beyond that point, right? And then and then the discussion is a different type of discussion already, right? Because I think for us at this point in time, it's, it's a lot of working professionals thinking of different ways to go about you know, graduating from their job, right? The full-time job that's like, you know, maybe they will invest in a property, buy some stocks or maybe start a business, right? So I think that's people's different perspective. And I think today we covered a lot on the build your own e-commerce, like, uh, type of situation where it's a stretch to go about dipping your toes on the side while you hold your full-time job and then eventually if this works which does not sound that crazy it's not that impossible you know there are certain best practices then from there you kind of go from there right and, and then you decide like, how far you want to take the business and if you decide to go into a business then the discussion is a whole different discussion because it is a much bigger type of like okay where do you want to go and, and all that jazz right so, so it Actually, is can I hear a point about that yes because I've been through quite a few different things the last two to three years. Yes, the whole COVID period. I feel like my learnings have been that if you want to really succeed at something, right, you have to drop all the other things. Just choose one thing and do. So, you know, like, I know you're talking about maybe helping people, like, um, step out of their comfort zone and try something different from their corporate job. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you just mentioned. So, specifically for that, if you have enough savings, right, and you truly believe in your idea at don't wait too long before you just like drop one thing and do the other because when you have full 100% 200% focus on that idea the results are going to be very different from when you have like maybe one foot out of the door yeah and that's something I learned very painfully over the last three years on all the various different things that I was dabbling in I think like um, I mean I, I've been through that phase also whereby you know the going gets tough and then I'm thinking like should I continue should I not but I mean yeah, I, I remember was, there was a period of time half our meeting where we were hanging out for coffee so, hey, send your resume you know right, uh, <laughs> let's, let's close our business yeah, uh, let's close our resume prepare I'm gonna send resume I was talking to like a, a nine figure um, DTC consumer brand and then um, I mean he said one of the things that, that resonated with me la. a lot of times when things get tough we think that the the answer is to go wide to try different things but actually sometimes the answer is to actually go deep and grind it out because a lot of times things will plateau but in what anything we do it could be training it could be um, you know building a business we will always hit a plateau somehow but if we were to take our attention away from this problem then that plateau is just going to stay there as a plateau right but if we stick at it long enough think about all the solutions try it out hustle it through usually the next phase of growth will eventually come so when i when he gave me the advice it made a lot of sense then you know i just continued to try and push it through yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I had that same problem, right? And I started doing many other shows and you know building other things and you know just to try to like match the numbers, right? Get the growth with it. But eventually you realize that all those things is very hard to sell also. Right. So might as well let us just focus and downsize the business or right size the business, whatever word you want to use, and then actually make it work first before we look at expansion expansion or or any other things. Right. So but but I, I run a relatively different business. I don't I don't think I'm an e-commerce, right? So it's a different thing. Okay. Okay. Fair. So so if someone wants to start an e-commerce, I think we have shared a lot of different things today right from like getting the traction building the trust doing the closing and fulfillment there's a lot of tips and tricks already, so I, I love it but um, any last things you want to add you know other than like just do it like, please don't use that word <laughs> so, so other than that any last things you want to add 
or a working professional. Okay, you imagine uh, the working professional, 35, grinding out in a corporate job, next building to us, you know, <laughs> it's like, and it's like, oh yeah, my boss so irritating. Uh, I want to get out of this place. Other than changing a job, they think of doing a business, right? What would you tell them? I think I would ask them to start posting, um, you know, whatever, whichever product they have in mind, start posting what they think about the product and all this on social media and then build an audience. Because once you have the traffic, monetization is going to come a lot easier after that. To be honest, everything else, be it logistics or whatever, you can solve it pretty okay, right? But um, getting the audience, building your brand, storytelling and all that, um, these are things that you have to do yourself and you have to slowly grow your presence and start commanding traffic. That, that way your business have a much higher chance of surviving. Fair, fair. And, and a word of advice, I think you should just choose one platform to start, right? Like don't, don't, don't listen to all the Gary V type of people and tell you like, you must be everywhere. You know? <laughs> don't, don't spread yourself yeah, too thin. Yeah, don't spread yourself too thin. It's very hard. It's very expensive. It's very tiring. You want to be very good at one platform because there are, there are a lot of interesting people that after that I found out because I look at their Instagram and like no following. Then I on their like LinkedIn. It's like, what the hell? These guys are huge on LinkedIn. On itself, as long as you command one platform and you are a big guy in that one platform, then you know, there's a lot of good things that will come along rather than Jumpo, jumpo, a little bit here, a little bit there. That's my take. Yes. Okay, maybe, maybe specific for e-commerce, make sure that you are very detailed on your pricing for physical products. For digital products, a bit different because the value can, can stretch. Margins are yeah. crazy, yeah. But for physical products, you have to be very clear on your on your margins. Next year, GST 10, uh, 9%. Uh, means everything you import, additional 1%, you know, whatever, your customer price might raise. So, so every single dollar matters because you're going into an environment where there are already a lot of big players who have a lot of volume and with volume means they got money to spend on marketing, right? So you're not going to be able to compete with the amount of ad budget. So you have to make sure that you have good margins before you start because even if you are getting volume, you will want to take some of that cash flow to reinvest, to reinvest in into it, yeah. marketing and advertising. So like, yeah, you better make sure your product got a good margin. You cannot tell me you want to sell like toilet brush with like 10 cents margin per item. I think very hard. Uh. <laughs> so how do you increase that margin, right? You create brand, you create story and uh, you create, you create, you try and create something new that maybe other people has, have not been able to do with their product. Um, one fantastic product, Scrub Daddy. Y'all know Scrub Daddy from Shark Tank. It's a kitchen scrub. I just did toilet brush, but it's a kitchen scrub, right? But it's a good product. But on top of that, he has a good story that came with it also. Mm, I yeah. thought you wanted to say, on top of that, got Scrub Mummy. It's like, <laughs> which there is. No, yeah. That's part of the story yeah. also, but it's like the product is good. Product is fundamentally good. Then they got the, the happy face, which helps them tell the story of the Scrub Daddy. And then they went on Shark Tank and they got the Shark Tank story. So it's about all the different stories adding up over time. And then that's how they, they have additional value. Because Scrub Daddy is sponge not cheap. Eh. Yeah, yeah, it's very expensive, you know. But yeah, the product but is more or less the same. There are a lot yeah. of people that compare the normal Scrub and the yeah. Scrub Daddy. They, they they serve similar function. I mean, there are a little bit of variance, yeah. you know, but but the but pricing the, is but different. But you know them as like a, like a Shark Tank um, success, right? Their story is so ingrained in everybody. Imagine you go to a supermarket, you're like, actually, I maybe scrub daddy worth the extra one dollar, you know? Mm. <laughs> I'd say it's no. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, maybe up to you, up to you. But but yeah, I, I think, and, and I just want to add one last thing, right? Is that a lot of people, when they look at us, they come to us, then they will ask us, what is our setup? You know, the whole thing, right? Like whether is it your, your CRM software or your emailing software to your fulfillment, to, you know, your delivery, the cameras you use, Use uh, everything, right? All the, they 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 want to copy our setup, but they don't realize that our setup, right, has already been capital injected over multiple rounds, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's yes. it's like after you 
you know, use an iPhone for a long time, then you buy a camera, right? And then you, you kind of step over, over time, right? So if, if you just look at a lot of how when we first start, the kind of cha-cha things that we use to just make it work. Yeah, yeah. All the free things, all that, you know, you, you kind of roll somewhere. Eventually, a lot of these bigger systems, they just stack up over time, right? Yeah, and yeah, that's how I think lah. Mm. Any you want to add? I, I think like um, back to what Chanel and what you said about the perfect production setup, right? If like the production setup is the most important thing, then MediaCorp should be the most viral <laughs> on TikTok. Yeah. But that is that is not the case, right? So <laughs> but so so I mean the point is like when we look at all these TikTok influencers or when you look at how we all started, right? It is all like much um, lower quality setup. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but as long as you're able to do storytelling, as long as you are able to, um, you know, brand yourself well, you it, it will still fly. It will still fly. You don't need to have the most expensive setup. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Eventually, when it itches you and you make more money, then you want to get a better setup. Okay, that's your problem, right? By then, it will be a different discussion, right? And uh, start with what you can, you know, work work with what the time you have and the resources you have. If any questions, you can email us. You can talk to us, right? Do you have uh, how how can they find you? How can they find you? I mean, people can find me on socials at Steady Compound on IG on Twitter. Is it compound or compounding? Compounding is a website. Yeah, yeah, because okay. they don't accept such a long name. Oh. So only at Steady Compound. Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. Okay, at Steady Compound. Okay, you can find me at Tasty Toasties. Instagram DMs, probably the, the best. best. Yeah. 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 Okay, great. Don't DM me. Okay, anything you just... <laughs> You can DM our website, okay? Anything, you can email me, okay? So yeah, that's it for today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank and I you. hope you learned some things about e-commerce and any questions, let us know. If you like this series, let us know. We'll do more for you, okay? See you next week. Bye. Bye.